there's a lot of things that are arbitrary about illogical reasoning, and that's that's what I'm hearing examples of right now. And it's not not meant as a slam, but to say that you can call you that you can say they were definitely wrong two thousand years ago for no, having slaves. No, 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 no. Oh, so they were right two thousand years ago. No, in their time it was right. So yeah, so you're saying they were two thousand years ago they were right. Well, I uh, I I think I, I feel much more comfortable with the Christian position because well, what about what about the slaves? What about the eight eight? Okay. okay, sure. You are putting words in my mouth. It, at that time, it was okay to have slaves. Mm -hmm. Yet nowadays, it's not okay to have slaves. Mm -hmm. In comparison, if they were here, it would be wrong. Mm -hmm. If I, When I look back at it, I say it's wrong. But, if I was living in that day, I would feel it was right. So if you grew up in the South, in 1840, and your parents taught you that there's nothing wrong with slavery, it would not have been wrong for you to put a whip to the back of a young black man because he was your property and he had to work it. That's the moral values you want to accept and be, I'll be honest with you, that's consistent with atheism. That's the moral values that you get with your worldview. And if that's your view of right and wrong, fine, because I'll tell you, it works in the past and it also works that way in the future days. What you're telling me is a hundred years from now, slavery might be all right again. It might. Yeah. And I'm saying that it might. But would a moral God allow it in the first place? Yeah, I think there's good reasons why a moral God would allow those why, things. Why would a moral God allow for a person to be whipped? Because well, that's color. That, num number one, I, I think we need to, to recognize that if there is a, an infinite God that exists, if the God of Christianity does exist, and He's going to be infinite in, in His wisdom, His ways and His thoughts are going to be far above our ways and our thoughts. So there will be some things that we don't understand. For instance, if you were five years old and your father allowed you to go through tremendous pain and allowed people to cut you open, to cut your body open, and allowed people to move around your, the organs inside your body and shuffle things around and then stitch you back up and then you felt horrible pain days after despite the medication that you received. If your father allowed you to go through the horrible pain of suffering, you might think, because you don't have access to as much information as your father, that he's being he, only a cruel father would allow you to go through that suffering. But your father may have done it, allowed it for a greater good, because you needed triple bypass surgery uh, in, in order to save your life, and so he allowed it for a greater good. Sometimes we amputate people's arms to save their lives. We, sometimes we spank our children when they're going to touch their hands on a hot stove. Uh, and so sometimes those who have access to more information, uh, and, and so what I'm getting at is that God has an infinite amount of wisdom. All that The Christian does not have to argue that this is the best possible world, that God has to actualize the best possible world. All the Christian has to argue for is that this is the best possible way to achieve the best possible world. In other words, if God wanted a world where men, through experiences, could uh, freely choose to love them, he would have to give them the freedom to not love them. If God wanted to create a world, to actualize a world where men would have courage, it would have to be something evil for men to fear. You see what I'm getting at? There are good reasons for God. And the Christian does not have to say this is definitely the reason in every single case. All the Christian has to say it is possible and if we had access to that information, uh, no. By the way, nobody argues. Well, none of the leading philosophers now argue that the 
that the philosophy is no longer considered a deductive uh, uh, critique of Christianity. In other words, they do not believe that the problem of evil disproves Christianity with certainty. They do believe that uh, there, it is possible that, that an all-good, all-powerful God coexists with evil. And so all the Christian has to do is to provide some possible reasons why an all-good God would allow evil for the purpose of a greater good. Okay, that's what you're saying. I'm still stuck on the logical. Difference between moral and logical. If, let's take something that's a little more specific, such as one person killing one person, instead of the thought, like that. My logical reasoning says that's wrong because that person does not get to live. That person does not get to experience what everyone else gets to experience. Okay, so your logic, and I agree with you, your logic is telling you that there is a moral standard. No. Is, 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 it, is it right? Is it fair that one guy takes another guy's life? What in the, what, what, how does your logic tell you it's wrong? Why does your logic tell you it's wrong? And what is wrong? How do you define wrong? Okay. Let, let's, let's use another argument to help him. It is better to exist than not to exist. Correct. I can say that. Can you, can you, I, I can say that, but can you say that? I guess I can. Why? Why? Okay. Because if you didn't exist, then you wouldn't know the argument of existence, obviously, after exist. But why is that better than the other? How can you grade? The only way you can grade one thing is better than another is if you have some concept of, of perfection and imperfection, and I, I can't see how you can get anything along those lines uh, based on a problem. How can something be better than something else if there's no right and no wrong? If there's no good and no evil, how can something be closer to good than something else? Because we live in a Christian-dominated society and that's what we've been born and raised by. So that's not logic. It's, it's, it's uh, cultural mores. So it's that's actually, exactly so you're saying, what I'm saying. So, you're, so you're, you're arguing cultural mores, which, which I've argued the superiority of the Christian, Christian moral ethic where slavery is always wrong, as opposed to uh, the atheistic uh, uh, moral ethic where it wasn't wrong in the past and it might not be wrong in the future, it's just wrong now. But you're arguing from oranges, he's arguing apples, he's saying logic proves that something is wrong. I agree with you that logic leads us in that direction, but what I'm saying is if, if you call something wrong and say it's definitely wrong no matter what time or what day, what you're saying is it's not relative to time, it's not relative to culture, there are cannibals in certain cultures. Their culture says it is right to kill, to, to, to eat human beings. I believe, and, and I have the right to believe it because I believe in the God of the Bible, that God is above all cultures. So regardless of whether they teach that it's right to eat humans, it's wrong for them because God stands above societies and judges societies. God just stands above world consensus and judges world consensus. So, but, but logic deals with things especially pure logic deals with things that are either true or false, period. And to say something is right, period, and to say something is wrong, period, uh, it's like Francis Schaeffer says, Western society has thrown Christian beliefs out the system, but we still live like Christianity is true. Bertrand Russell wants to protest war. Why in the world would war be evil unless there is such a thing as evil? Here the guy didn't believe anything. So there was no real, absolute moral standard 
that evil could be uh, a perversion of. So there was really no basis for good and evil in his system, yet he always stood up for him. Same with Sartre. There's a difference between evil and wrong. What is it? It could be wrong. I'm trying to think of a... See, I, I could see a sense where they'd be oh, different. Okay. Like, like one plus two exactly. Is, exactly. isn't five, that's wrong, that's wrong. but it's not, it's not you didn't do anything morally wrong. Uh, at the same time, though, if you're arguing from logic, okay, if you're arguing from logic that one man killing another innocent man is wrong, you're still saying that what your view is is that you can logically show that some things are logically right. But the, that's, not what, that's not what the, the atheists... I would assume maybe some atheists try to argue that way, but that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough to do. And well, what is logic? Because you know, you're, you're dealing... If logic... Even he even holds the logic, at least he's consistent with what he said before, he even holds that logic is arbitrary. Because he said one plus one can equal three in the future. Because logic is whatever the rules of logic are determined by man. Now, the Christian holds that the rules of logic is just what flows from God's right thinking, God's correct thinking. So, so in fact, John 1, 1, Jesus, who is referred to as God, is referred to as the Logos, the Word. We get our word logic from that word. Gordon Clark, a Christian philosopher, argues that you could translate that verse, in the beginning was the logic, and the logic was with God, and logic was God. And always saying God is, right? Just like God is love, God is logic. Christian has a basis for consistent, rational thinking. Uh, in an atheistic worldview, logic is just another cultural thing of man. We, we just, to get today, we get together and decide one plus one equals, equals two. A hundred years from now, we might get together and decide, the mathematicians might just get together and say, no, one plus one equals three. That's where atheism leads you. But if one plus one always equals two, uh, you're going right back to the Platonic forms, the universal ideas, which don't make a heck of a lot of sense. These unchanging universals that exist out there, they don't make a heck of a lot of sense unless you do what Augustine does and put them in the eternal mind of God. Is it Christianity or is it religion in general that you're talking about? Well, it depends what we're arguing for. If we're arguing for the existence of God, most religions argue for the existence of a God. If we're saying what type of God, uh, then we're saying, uh, then I would argue for a theistic God, which would be Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, but then if we argued how has this God revealed himself, how does this God redeem man, then I would argue historically for the Christian faith. Okay, and I've got, okay let's, let's go to the theological thing because I've got a couple problems with that as well. First of all... The teleological argument? Yeah, that argument does not prove the existence of God. It doesn't. There is a difference between order and a designer. Okay? Order is... Okay. And yes, this is, um, this is an argument by Darwin. Um, there's a difference between the concept of design and the concept of order. It is true that whatever has been designed must have been designed by somebody, but not everything that exhibits orders was designed. Take the example of a gravel beach. There will, we will find a distinct order. The smallest grains of sand compose 
the top layers of the beach. The grains on the second layer are a bit larger, and the largest pedicles can pose on the bottom layer. But there is no designer needed to explain this order, much less is there any mystery. Mm-hmm. Now let's see him do that with the faces on Mount Rushmore. Uh, you know what spe- you, you know what specified complexity is. Specified complexity is what's found in a, in a single cell, the smallest unit of light. Just a single cell uh, contains enough genetic information to fill an entire library. Okay, and they used to say it fills enough uh, has enough genetic information to fill one volume of an encyclopedia. So the illustration used to be how many explosions would it take in a print shop before out would, by chance, pop a Webster's Dictionary, okay? Now, but the thing is now you've got to get an entire library coming out being created by chance. Um, drop, take confetti and spell out your name on the ground. You can do it through intelligence. Now stand on a ladder and drop the confetti and see if it forms your name. How many times is it going to take before it does that? Okay? So if you want more time, the evolution always wants more time. That's why he talks about billions and billions of years. If you, if you want, and I didn't mean in a mean way, you know, I just think Sagan is, you know, I, I find Sagan a little funny, but, but if you want to go, like Norman Geisler says, the Christian philosopher, you can, go, you, can, you can get more time simply by going higher and higher up in an airplane and before you drop the confetti. But the fact is, that even with more time, you're still not going to get order. You're still not going to get order from the chaos. So I, I think I think Darwin, 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 you want to talk Darwin, Darwin said, put it in layman's terms, Darwin explained what would refute him. He said, if there was ever something in this evolutionary chain that I proposed, Darwin really wasn't claiming to prove evolution. He was making a suggestion and saying, let, now let's see if we can find the evidence for it. This is the kind of evidence we need to find to prove me right. We haven't found it in the fossil record. New life forms appear suddenly and fully developed. You don't find half fins and half wings. Uh, yet, we haven't found what he said would prove him right. Fossils of, of true intermediary forms. Uh, yet, we did find what would prove what he said would prove him wrong. And that was the, the lungs of birds. Hughes points that out in his work. Um, the, the lungs of birds are so different from the lungs of other creatures that if anything evolved into a bird or if anything evolved from a bird in the transitionary period you know lungs don't work until they're fully formed in the transitionary period you've got I don't know what if you're a traditional evolutionist maybe a million years or so of, of this creature not being able to breathe uh, if you're uh, if you're at the punctuated equilibrium, which I think is the, almost the antithesis of Darwinian evolution, because of these things have it's a revival of the old hopeful monster theory that the intermediary forms it came on the scene so quick and left the scene so quick that you won't find any evidence of them in the fossil record whatsoever. I mean, the only way to be any more absurd than punctuated equilibrium would be to say two apes had a baby boy and enough baby boys and baby girls were born at the same time that uh, you had the human race came into existence, so in the fossil there would be apes and there'd be uh, humans, but there'd be nothing in between. Uh, that, there's only one thin line between that and punctuated equilibrium, because although there was something in between the two, they weren't there long enough to get fossilized. And, and, and the thing is, every major break, and they weren't fossilized, 
So there's lots of problems with Darwinianism. And now Darwin, now there's a big debate about why he did it, but Darwin did talk about God designing the whole evolutionary process. Now, I do hold the belief, seeing where Darwin came from and seeing his other writings, I do hold the belief that it was, it was out of, more out of his love for his wife, who was a Christian, than out of his really, him really being a theistic evolutionist. Uh, than any than anything else there, but uh, but I will say this: if you're if you're saying the teleological argument does not prove God's existence with absolute certainty, logical necessity, I agree with you 100%. But you can't even prove your own existence with logical necessity. Logical necessity means the you can prove it yourself. No, the logical necessity. I, a geyser would say you, you can prove it with actual undeniability, because just uh, to exist, to, even to, to deny your existence, you would have to first actually exist to make the denial. Because nothing is nothing, nothing does nothing, therefore nothing can deny nothing. I agree. So to make the denial, so actual undeniable, but that's not logical necessity because it's always logically possible. If the if the exact opposite is always logically possible, then what you're talking about is not logically necessary. And it's logically possible that you not exist. Okay? Uh, so, and, and now what Anselm was arguing that was that it was, it was not, the only being that it's not logically possible that he would not be able to exist would be God. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, every once in a while I think, wait a minute, wait, he's onto something. And then I, Read a few other guys and say, no, no, he's off the wall, he's off the wall, he's confusing the actual realm with the potential realm. And uh, it's, I'll give you, I'll give you a rundown. Uh, nah, it's, it, I don't defend the argument, so why bring it up? So, uh, but, uh, but it, it is an interesting argument. Um, but, uh, so, but I, I just don't want to get into it. It's, it's not one that I find. Uh, a valid argument, so uh, there wouldn't, wouldn't be any sense in, uh, in stating it if I'm not really going to defend it anyway. Um, but uh, uh, that's, it's already 9 o'clock. Is uh, time to we cut? Uh, I want to say before before we close in prayer, uh, uh, now Dave, you're not a Christian, uh, and are you a Christian? No, you're not a Christian either, and what's your name? Brandon. Brandon. Uh, I want to I thank you guys for coming, and and uh, I want to let you know I didn't mean anything you know derogatory towards you. I think you're both very intelligent guys, and I hope that you continue to, to seek the truth. And looking at you, we talked about possibly majoring in comparative religions. And all I can say is, as you compare religions, don't just compare watered down Christianity with other religions, because watered down Christianity has a lot in common with other religions. Man saves himself by his works, and all religions lead to God. And that type of stuff. So watered-down Christianity is more in common with Buddhism and Hinduism than it does Christianity. But really, when you compare religions, look at historic Christianity, which is what we hold to here, and, and there you'll see, whether you agree with it or not, is a whole other issue, but there you'll see a, a very thick line between historic Christianity and what the world religions teach, that the finite, limited man can reach the infinite God on his own. But if a slow runner has a heck of a time catching up to a fast runner, how is a limited man going to reach an infinite God on his own? Christianity alone teaches the finite limited man cannot reach the infinite God on his own. Therefore, if the finite limited man is to be saved, 
It's going to have to be the work of the infinite God, uh, Matthew 19, uh, 25 and 26, is what Christ said there. Out of curiosity, how much do you know about the world's conditions? Uh, I've had several courses in them. I've read several. I had, in my library, I have the Quran. I have read the Quran. I have read uh, uh, sections of the Bhagavad Gita and uh, other Hindu writings. I have read a little on uh, Zen Buddhism, and I recognize Zen Buddhism does not speak for all Buddhism. And by the way, Zen Buddhism would just say that logic is throw logic out the window, you know, meditate on the sound of one hand clapping and stuff like that. And uh, it's like a lady at the debate, I didn't hear her question, I'm not, I don't have the greatest hearing in the world from, from before, I, before I was a Christian, like I say, at age 21, I used to listen to loud music and go to a lot of concerts and stuff like that, and I was going deaf by then, but then I went in the Marine Corps and, and then became a, a security police officer for 10 years after that, so for 13 years I shot weapons. So I did a, a lot of damage on my hearing, so I didn't hear this lady real well, but she, she basically, the question, she said, she introduced her question by saying, Buddhists say that God is and God is not, and I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and then she started, well, hey lady, they can't both be true. The law of non-contradiction, no, we don't know that with logical necessity. You can't even communicate, you can't even think without assuming logic to be true. So even when the Buddha says uh, logic is false, he's assuming logic is true just to make the statement. Because he's assuming the statement logic is false means uh, that to say logic is true is a false statement and to say logic is false is a true statement. So he assumes the law of non-contradiction uh, in order to try to refute the law of non-contradiction. It's on Magnum P.I., that, uh, that butler that he has said, said I've written extensively to try to show that we should get beyond Aristotelian logic and refute it. Well, if you wrote it, you refuted yourself. So you don't, you don't need to refute a guy who tries to refute Aristotelian logic because they refute themselves in, in, in the attempt to do so. Um, you have to assume it to be true to communicate and to think. Uh, but, uh, okay, uh, to think something is to not think something else. And at least in finite thinking, and so uh, uh, what that basically means is that logic comes into play. Okay, with, uh, with that, Chris, you want to end with a word of prayer?